You are listening to The Concierge on Monocle Radio. Coming up on today's programme, we speak to the chief concierge of one of the world's very finest hotels, the Grand Hyatt in Tokyo. From Prague to Rio de Janeiro, we put your questions to our concierge service. We take a motorbike trip across Timor-Leste. We stop several times, once to admire a mangrove forest, later to buy bananas and gasoline from a boy tending a roadside shack. But our main objective was to swim and climb to the hilltop town of Motovun in Croatia to try out a deliciously contemporary winery. Through all the systems and through all the regimes, people working the land, the system offered them a place where they can work their grapes into the wine. That is all coming up on The Concierge in association with Allianz Partners. And welcome to The Concierge on Monocle Radio with me, Robert Bound. And today we start the programme in one of our very favourite hotels in one of our very favourite cities, Tokyo. And I'm delighted to say that to start today's programme, we have on the line Aiko Imaizumi, Chief Concierge at the Grand Hyatt Hotel in Tokyo. Aiko-san, it is an honour to have you on the programme today. Such a wonderful hotel in Tokyo with many a story attached to it. What is the Tokyo vibe at the moment? It is hot, but how busy is it? Well, since the Japanese borders opened to the tourists last October 2022, we are having a lot of tourists coming back to Japan and especially in Tokyo. So we are like before COVID and the city is packed with lots of tourists from all over the world. So we are like very hot in Tokyo, not only like a temperature, but really, really hot, everything. Everything is sizzlingly busy. I was in the city about a month and a half ago and it was warming up then. It felt like a wonderful place to be as it always does. And what sort of itineraries are you making for people? Obviously, people have got their hearts set on certain galleries, restaurants, cultural trips generally within the city. So what are the kind of, what are the itineraries that are hot right now? Uh, Lots of guests are coming to Japan. They tend to stay in Japan for a long period. So we are making a, a big itinerary for the guests. We are introducing lots of new open galleries and museums. And also people tend to travel outside of Japan as well, or Tokyo as well. So we recommend a new but exciting local destinations, not only the major cities as well. We try to find a nice mountain area such as Nagano area. That's its beautiful summertime with uh, beautiful greens and a little bit cooler than the city and there uh, are lots of activities. So during the summertime, so those like countryside are quite popular area. But also when it gets to the autumn season, changing color of the leaves are very popular in Japan. And there are many different famous areas for that, such as Kamakura is not too far away from Tokyo, only one hour and a half by train. And there are also like, attractive places to visit. And there are lots of natures around the city as well. I'd love to ask you something that's very specific, maybe to Tokyo, maybe to your neighborhood as well. You're kind of in the middle of Roppongi, you're near the Mori Art Museum and things like that. 
What about those tiny restaurants that have become so famous across the world? Maybe they're a sushi or a soba restaurant. How on earth do you keep in the good books of those head chefs <laughs> in those restaurants in order to be able to satisfy some of your guests' demands to be at a restaurant on a Friday night when the restaurant only has eight seats, perhaps, around the bar? How do you engineer these almost impossible situations, I wonder? So I try to maximize the number of the restaurant in my book, which is not like the restaurant always gets asked for, but the hidden restaurant that we, the concierge can only offer. For example, about the sushi restaurant, there are some of my favorite, my personal favorite restaurants, such as like uh, Sushi Sugawara in Ginza or Sushi Nakamura in this uh, Lopongi area. They're very, very high-end, nice restaurant, but not always, always packed. So we have a little good chance of getting at the last minutes as well. My mouth's watering here. We better stop while it still, still sounds professional on my end. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking us through some of the jobs that you do as a concierge, as a head concierge at the Grand Hyatt, and indeed to the broader opportunities in Japan uh, and Tokyo as well. On the line from the Grand Hyatt in Tokyo was Aika Imaizumi, who is the chief concierge. Thank you very much indeed, Aika-san. Thank you very much. And now to our very own little black book, the part of the programme where we look to our correspondents all around the globe to answer your questions. The concierge desk is open. And first up, live from Milan, we have Lely Buonerba on the line. Lely, lovely to have you on the concierge. Is it vacation weather in Milan at this time of year yet? Yes, absolutely. And the city is starting to feel slightly more empty. Everything's slowing down. But the weather is uh, great for people visiting, maybe not so great for people having to run around doing errands or stuck in the office without AC. So you, uh, you're taking cover underneath one of those handsome striped Italian awnings in Milan, are you? Well, it is very important to stay in the shade. <laughs> no, we like the look of it. We love the look of it on this programme and elsewhere on the Monocle Network. It's good stuff. So you are off to Central Europe for holidays this summer. So can you tell us what your question is for the concierge, Lele? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm planning to visit Vienna from taking the night train from Milan. And after a couple of days there, we're going to Prague, which I've never been to, actually. So my partner Laurel and I are interested in contemporary art, which is the world where we work in, but also exploring this city, maybe even some more traditional places, but especially oriented towards natural wine, craft beer, all the kind of fun fermentation happening in the city. Nice. Okay, so well, with some tips, someone's been fermenting on this on your behalf, Lele, and that is one of our contacts in Prague, and that is Elizabeth Haas, who's made this package. Hello from Prague. For contemporary art, I suggest Kunsthal Praha, a welcome new entry on the local art scene in the Klarov district at the foot of the Prague Castle complex. Here, photography, installation, and painting occupy several stories of a converted 1930s era electric substation. At Kunsthal's in-house bistro, you can sit down to inventive vegetarian, revamped Czech classics, and a really nice Sunday brunch. Cross the Vltava River to explore the Gothic, Baroque, and Art Nouveau facades of the Old Town's Yosefov district. 
making your way towards hidden Jasnovka Street, one of the quarter's oldest, a frequent filming location. Nearby, the 12th century St. Agnes Monastery houses the National Gallery's collection of Gothic art and a cafe, Aneshka Praha, which offers picnic baskets with prosecco, pastries, and savories to be enjoyed in the gallery's modern sculpture garden. For natural wines and craft beer, catch the number 8 tram from the center to Carlene Square. Stop into natural wine bar Veltslin for vintages from the regions of the former Habsburg Empire, paired with cheese, cured meats, and pâtés from local producers. Don't overlook the beer garden, two roosters, a brewery and tap room, or Kasarna Karlin, a military barracks turned culture hub with an outdoor cinema and a lively performance schedule. No trip to Prague is complete without trying Vietnamese food. Back on Prague's left bank in Andiel, start your evening out with a family-style dinner at Bistro Nha Hai Han. Then head over to Manifesto Market, where creative cocktails and some of the city's best food vendors meet DJs and live music. End the night on a perfect note at the Jazz Dock Club, or venture down to the Smikov Embankment, where waterfront galleries, cafes, and majestic views of the Visharad ramparts and the 19th century Iron Railway Bridge await. Enjoy your time in Prague. Well, that was Elizabeth Huss with a bit of a lowdown on Prague for Lele Buenerba in Milan. Um, Lele, how did that sound to you? It sounds like you are going to have to split your afternoons and mornings into drinking and looking at art. I mean, this is just an occupational hazard. Are you going to be okay with that? I think so. We're quite well versed in both of those activities. <laughs> well, it sounds like a great place. I'm jealous of your travels. Enjoy your couple of days in Vienna and then on to Prague. I hope it's a wonderful voyage of discovery and happy holidays to you, uh, Lele. And thanks also very much for your question for the concierge. Bon voyage. Thank you. Great. That was Lele Buenerba in Milan. And next we have Florencia gonzalez Diebe from Mexico. Hi, concierge. What do you recommend for Rio de Janeiro? Thank you. With what to do in Rio, here is Monocle's Gregory Scruggs. Florencia, bon dia. You've picked a wonderful time of year to plan a holiday to Rio de Janeiro. Although it is the South American winter, and you might see fewer local cariocas at the beach than you would in the peak of summer, I find the temperatures pleasantly warm this time of year, and certainly suitable for a day at the beach. Rio's beaches are demarcated by numbered lifeguard stations, and Ipanema's post number 9 remains the C&B scene stretch of sand. Conveniently, it's also a short stroll away from a new kiosk you should check out called Alalao. Now, Rio's beachfront promenade, a famous sidewalk design by Brazilian landscape architect Roberto Burley Marxi, is dotted with small kiosks. And many of them have gotten tired over the years, but this new Alalao that just opened in 2021 brings a much-needed dose of high design and serves up some delicious sundowners. After your drinks, you can retire nearby to the seaside elegance of the Fasano Rio Hotel, which is a surefire bet for a good-looking crowd. But if you prefer sweeping vistas in this mountainous city, pitch up poolside at the Santa Teresa Hotel, high in the hills and close to the Christ the Redeemer statue. Rio boasts plenty of excellent food options before a night out on the town. You could tuck into modern interpretation of Italian cuisine at Sulci in the Botafogo neighborhood, or try the excellent seafood dishes inside a charming white-walled restaurant called Escama near the Botanical Garden. 
If you're looking for Brazilian food, there's a new place in the city center called Lilia doing contemporary Brazilian cuisine that comes highly recommended. And when it's time to switch over to some liquid refreshment, recommend the Arp Bar on the ground floor of the Hotel Arpoador for cocktails. And there's also a very chic set converging these days at Liz Cocktails & Co. in Leblon. Dancing the Night Away is, of course, a Rio pastime, and the Bohemian Lapa District is your best bet for everything from Samba Gigafiera, the traditional dance hall samba, to Fojo, the accordion-driven kind of country-style music from the Northeast that's a very popular partner dance. And several 19th-century venues that have been restored over the years pack dance floors most nights of the week. Some reliable choices include Rio Senarium, Bar Carioca da Gema, and Clubidos Democráticos. If you find yourself in Rio on a Monday, consider taking a taxi further north to the Renascença Clube for the weekly Samba do Trabalhador, Workers Samba, to experience a taste of very traditional Rio music. And any day of the week, you can shake off those cobwebs with a run around the Rodrigo de Freitas Lagoon, which is a stunning setting for a morning jog. Boa viagem! Thanks, Gregory. And if you have a question for the concierge, do write to us. Send your questions to concierge at monocle.com. And my thanks to Elizabeth Haas and Gregory Scruggs. And next up, well, it's a quick stop in Tel Aviv. Just like the Monocle team, Allianz Partners is committed to helping you build exceptional experiences. Allianz Partners' reputation for excellence and the continuous drive to innovate means the business is uniquely equipped to accompany its partners and customers with their ever-changing travel needs. So get out there and visit the places, enjoy the experiences, and meet the people changing the world of hospitality for the better. Allianz Partners. Get the most out of your experience with peace of mind. Founded by international DJ Eliad Cohen in 2011 during Tel Aviv Pride, the Papa Party has become one of the biggest club nights in the world. But it's no longer just in Tel Aviv. Now touring over 33 countries every year, Eliad came to London during Pride Month with his take on the touring party scene. Tel Aviv Pride was insane this year. The thing is that every year it's getting bigger and bigger. But to see, you know... This year, for the first time, the parade was on Thursday day, and Friday we had the, the big party, open door. And it was such a beautiful and fun experience. I would say all Israel is very open-minded, but Tel Aviv is not even in a level of open-minded, not for Israel or not for Europe. It's just one of the most open-minded cities in the world. The charm about Tel Aviv that we don't have just one club that there you have all the parties. On Monday you have one club in the Rothschild area, on Tuesday you have another club in the Port area. Every day it's a different club so you don't get bored. Every day there is something new, something different, different music. So I think this is something that really helped to the nightlife in Israel, in Tel Aviv. Papa Party, it started 14 years ago in Israel and very fast it became one of the three biggest gay parties in the world. Papa Party is about celebration. Leave the attitude at home and come here to enjoy and forget about your problems and just celebrate life. This month I have six Papa Parties. I started in Malaga, in uh, Tormolinos Pride, Tel Aviv Pride, London, Saturday Valencia Pride, and then I have New York Pride and Houston Pride. So yeah, busy month. 
Eliad Cohen there. And next up, the lowdown goes to Timor Leste. Now, for the first time on The Concierge, we're bringing you the lowdown via motorbike. Not just that, we sent Monocle's Naomi Zhu Elegant off to Timor-Leste with a helmet and enough money for a rental, and a bit more, hopefully, to concoct this report. There are no trains in Timor-Leste, but a network of new roads and dusty trails connects the whole country. From the capital of Dili to the mountainous interior, the quiet southern coast, the far eastern island of Jako, and all the towns and villages in between. You can travel by bus or car, a 4x4 is advisable, but neither of those will be quite as exhilarating as a motorcycle trip. The recently upgraded National Road No. 1 stretches all the way along the northern coast of Timor-Leste, sometimes hugging the seaside cliffs and at other points weaving between palm trees, tiny hamlets, and family farms. On a sunny day in April, my companion and I rented motorbikes in Dili strapped on our helmets and headed east. A few white clouds dotted the blue sky, and it wasn't long before we left the city behind. On our right, banana and rosewood and eucalyptus and papaya and sandalwood trees rushed past as we sped down the coastal road. Behind the trees rose the green mountains of central Timor, shrouded by mist. On our left, the ocean sparkled under the sunlight, so blue it was almost absurd. We stopped several times, once to admire a mangrove forest, later to buy bananas and gasoline from a boy tending a roadside shack. But our main objective was to swim. The national road rises and falls with the passing kilometers, sometimes level with the sea, and other times rising far above it, curving against a sheer slope across which tiny goats scamper and bleat. We spotted a beach and parked. The white sand was hot from the sun, but the water was translucent and cool. After a brief and invigorating swim, we drove on, pausing for a snack at a rocky outcrop where we chatted with a young Timorese couple on their own day out and admired the colorful fishing boats moored in the bay. We rode on, found another beach, we dipped into the sea again. Late in the afternoon, we settled at a checker cloth table by the ocean and ate spicy grilled fish and octopus on skewers. As tempting as it was to keep forging on, the sun was going down, so we headed back west. By the time we reached Dili, it was sunset, and we watched the light turn pink and purple and maroon over the outskirts of the city. Thanks, Naomi. That was Monocle's Naomi Zhu Elegant there. Next up, our travel interrogation begins. Today, London sees the opening of the capital's first self-professed nature-centric luxury hotel, One Hotel Mayfair. Housing 181 guest rooms and suites across nine storeys with views across the London skyline and local architectural icons. The hotel will also be home to the Dovetail Restaurant by the double Michelin-starred chef Tom Sellers. There'll be a cosy coffee shop and a bar in which I'm certainly looking forward to road testing the martinis, as well as a top-tier fitness centre and a spa done by Bamford. Raoul Leal, CEO of SH Hotels and Resorts, that perhaps is Starwood to you and me, who are behind the hotel, joins me now in the studio, fresh from the opening. No pressure. Raoul. No pressure at all. Lovely to have you. Um, Thank you. On the programme. How long have you been in London? 
you know, hang, making sure the pictures are hanging straight and kicking the sofas so they're all kind of lined up and, and all the rest of it. Well, I, could, I wish I could say longer, but it's only been a few days. They've actually right. done a great job taking care of all the details, but uh, we walked through several times and uh, it does look picture perfect. We're going to get the tips from the experts, as yes. we like to do so sure. on this program. What are the first things you do when you're kicking off a new hotel launch? And what are the last? Like, What are the things that you've been turning your attention to in the run-up to launching One Hotel Mayfair, and then since you've been here in, in the city? Well, certainly a big part of the runoff of any pre-opening is always the proper training of the team members, right. hiring and training the right people up until the last minute, not only understanding the nuances of the day-to-day operation, but also you know, the culture of the hotel and the culture of the environment, which in the case of uh, you know, One Hotels, it's a, a powerful culture rooted in sustainability, but also, as our purpose says, doing all the good you can, which really binds us to our local communities everywhere that we are. Yeah, nice. So that's a good opportunity then to talk about One Hotels as a yes. as an international brand. You're across the world. And the cities you're in, you're in you're in New York, you're in Central Park, you're in Brooklyn Bridge, yep. you're in South Beach in Miami. South Beach, uh, Hawaii now. Yeah. Hawaii so you're Bay. in places that are wonderful places to go on vacation, yeah, but definitely. also they are, you know, they're a business. They're a place you do two days of business and add on a day of Right. vacation, perhaps. That's is that your What's your kind of guest profile for that? You know, our guest profile is pretty interesting. They're definitely drawn to the mission of the brand, yeah. the mission of sustainability, you know, for sure. And they're also inspired. I think it, it brings them, our customers say that the brand brings them joy. Nice. Because, you know, they know that we have a proper mission. They're spending their money. It's definitely going towards something. 58% of our consumers are actually female. Business travelers who also who are extending their time and staying at the hotels for leisure as well. Even our urban hotels have a tremendous amount of leisure business because they're also heavily programmed. You know, besides the sustainability concept, we do lots of music and entertainment, you know, strong food and beverage, anchor our food and beverage with local chefs like, you know, we've done here in London. So it's a bit of a destination, you know, no matter where it is. So on a personal note, I wanted to give you a sort of blank check. You can open your next one hotels in any neighborhood of any city. Where are you going to take the brand? Not where are you going to, perhaps, but where would you like to? Where where fits and where is a great spot for you? Well, I think, look, you know, certainly this is an amazing landing spot. I mean, one of my certainly one of my favorite cities in the world, and so is Barry's, and just an incredible place. And I think if there was any place that we wanted to open that we weren't there, this would be a location. We can't beat the location on Berkeley Street next to the park and what for, the energy in the neighborhood. So I would think there. But, you know, we're also opening in other amazing cities like Melbourne, which is a fantastic city in its right. So I, I think, you know, key cities, but the right locations and the right cities. For us, it's really about quality, not quantity. You're not going to see one hotels have 100 hotels, right? I think we're just going to, you know, do it where it makes sense and we're going to make our mark and try to inspire people the way that we do. But I think, you know, we're pretty active in other cities, for example, like Paris, where we, you know, you think like we'd like to be in, but also some other cities in the Middle East that we're taking a look at, but just key cities where we think we can make an impact. And lots of people on, you know, going out mm-hmm. to going out to bat before an auction, they have a kind of lucky kind of, they have a little thing that they have to do. They take a bite of an apple, they put on their left sock first. On opening day, Raoul, you've been, you've, you've cracked the, you've chucked a bottle of champagne yeah. against the bow of many a ship, yes. okay? Yes. So what do you do on opening day? Well, it's... it's, it's <laughs> Where pretty, do you stand and what do you, what's your vibe? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty simple for us. On opening days, it's really more about uh, 
from our the brand, we always give thanks on opening day as a team. You know, we do a, a brief, you know, meditation before we open, and we may do a toast with the zero waste cocktail. So in keeping with in keeping with the brand, right? We're using everything that we can. Well, we started wanting a Bloody Mary, and we finished wanting a Bloody Mary, right? and we may still have one, by the way. And we but, may still have yeah. one before the end of the show is out. <laughs> for the time being, Raul Leal, CEO of SH Hotels and Resorts, thank you very much for talking us through the launch today. Congratulations, my pleasure. Of one hotel, Mayfair. Thanks so. Much. Much. That was Raul Leal, CEO of SH Hotels and Resorts, talking us through one hotel Mayfair there. Happy launch day to you. And finally, we're off to Croatia for the in crowd. Nestled in the Istrian hilltop town of Motovun, Croatia, sits a new hyper-modern winery. One of the country's leading wine producers, Roxanic, have transformed their headquarters into a state-of-the-art winery, which will also feature a hotel, restaurant, lounge bar and a nightclub. We sent Monocle's Balkans correspondent, Guy Delorny, into the grip of the grape. Welcome to Motovon. This is a town in inland Istria in Croatia. It's on a hilltop and it's an absolute gem for foodies and culture vultures alike. The Alfresco Film Festival in the summer is a major attraction, but all year round there's a mouth-watering bounty of some of the world's best olive oil, truffles, seafood and, of course, wine. My name is Mladen Rozanic and we are right now in our wine and design hotel. It was always our desire to become a kind of hub place where wine lovers would come and food lovers would come in a tartuffi season or truffle season during the wine harvest or when we are having some special seasonal uh, food like wild asparagus now. Uh, really young lamb meat and, and things like that that are very typical for us here. If you can really have a place where to settle for a few days and tour around the region. The Rozhanac Winery and Design Hotel is perched on the hillside in Motovon and it's a fascinating mixture of old and new. The main building used to be a communal wine cellar but now that's just the tip of the iceberg. Carved into the hillside below is a structure reminiscent, I think anyway, of the desert house in Diamonds Are Forever and that contains all the treasures of the Rozhanac Winery. It has a beautiful history that goes back to 1902 when this facility was opened as a communal wine cellar built by Austrians during the Austro-Hungarian Imperium. And since then, it has always been a wine cellar. Through all the systems and through all the regimes, people working the land, the system offered them a place where they can work their grapes into the wine. And what about your own family? What sort of <clears throat> ties do you have to the history of this area? I was born in northern Adriatic in Opatia, which is 60 kilometers from here. Nobody was in the wine business. I entered the wine business relatively late, changing the side of a table from consumer to producer. With my engineering knowledge and a little bit of hygiene culture that I got from my mother doctor, you know, I could uh, 
quite nicely create my wines that began in the uh, late 90s. The Rozhanich business today is very much a family affair. Mladen is the winemaker, but three of his six daughters are currently involved with running the hotel and its associated attractions. My name is Sara Rozhanich and I'm here in charge of the whole operations of the hotel. The idea is that if people drink something good, eat something good, that they can sleep somewhere nice and just relax, basically. It's been done in a way which isn't cookie-cutter. And as I understand it, nothing in the hotel is basically off the shelf. It's, it's all specially for the hotel. Yes, I think that all of the furniture in the hotel was uh, custom-made and tailor-made for us, uh, except those chairs that are Italian here at the bar. <laughs> but basically all of the beds, anything you can imagine from lamps to bars to reception, everything was really made for us, so you will not see it anywhere else. And it was nice to have something like that nobody has. That's uh, something special and that we cherish a lot. I really wasn't kidding when I said that this place is like something from a Bond film because now we are descending into the interior of the Rojanich Winery and Design Hotel, going down multiple levels deep into the Istrian hillside. We are right now on the fifth story of our wine cellar where we have a... Uh, tasting room area to receive the groups from 15 to 25 max because we want people to have concentrated focus on wine that we really can do a nice presentation. This area where we are right now is the fourth or fifth parallel is crossing Istria so we are really in a belt I would say geographically that is really probably the best for a wine growing. It corresponds to Burgundy's certain parts of, of, uh, of Bordeaux. So it's, it's really something that uh, climatically can bring a lot. And of course, to go with a fine wine, there's fine dining as well. The restaurant at the Rosanich Winery specializes in all sorts from steak, which has been aged in-house right through to seafood from the Istrian coast. And, of course, the world-beating Istrian olive oil and truffles. And you can even go hunting for those yourself, if you like. We recently renovated two Land Rovers uh, that they can use so they can go on tours uh, around the hotel. And then we do olive oil tastings, honey tastings. Uh, uh, They have picnic in the vineyards, so... They can do something like that. Oyster tasting to cycling uh, because we have uh, the old road that connected uh, Porec and Trieste called Parenzana, uh, just underneath the hotel basically, so they can really explore the surroundings with the bicycles. We also offer e-bikes to rent here in the hotel. So people really have like a lot to explore here in the area. And after a hard day quaffing wine, hunting truffles and dining on the best food Istria has to offer, you can relax in the Rozhenich Spa or gaze across at the vineyards and olive groves 
from the comfort of the infinity pool on the terrace, perhaps with a glass of wine in hand. For Monocle in Motovon, I'm Guy Delaunay. Thanks to a tipsy, possibly, Guy Delaunay there. And that is it for today's programme. Thank you to our guests, Aiko Imaizumi and Raul Lael. And our producer was Tom Webb, our researcher, Monica Lillis, our studio manager, Steph Chungu. If you have a question for the concierge, do drop us an email on concierge at monocle.com. Join us next time when we'll be exploring one of the most exciting hotels in Ontario. I'm Robert Bounds. Thank you very much for tuning in and happy travels. 